Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 188 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes. Later today, when you decide, hey, I am going to go find out a little bit more about the sponsors of the Juice Box Podcast, the good people who help bring me the podcast that I love so much that is free to me. I don't pay anything for it. It's just, it's there. And, I mean, someone's paying for that. Who? Dexcom, Omnipod, Dancing for Diabetes. So check them out. And when you check them out, please use the links that I provide because then they know you came from here, the Juice Box Podcast. You see, it's very circle of life-ish. Today's episode is spectacular. Do not take my word for it, though. Keep listening. We're going to be talking with Maria about burnout. Now, Maria was diagnosed at a young age and has had type 1 diabetes for quite some time. And she's experienced burnout at many different junctures. Is junctures a word? Junctions? Junk. Hold on one second. Yeah, I looked it up. Junctures is right. Junctures a particular point in events or time. So I was 100% correct. And then I doubted myself, which now I feel bad about. But anyway, Maria has experienced burnout at a number of different junctures in her life. And she's going to talk about all of them. And you know what? This is amazing. During the episode, I find out, and I didn't know this, Maria was pregnant while we were recording this. She was 12 weeks pregnant. And guess what? She's had her baby. And you have to listen all the way to the end to find out how big it was and what its name is. And if it's a boy or a girl, cliffhanger. Just listen to the end. What are you doing? I put a lot of work into this. Please never forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making any changes to your health care plan, because this is a podcast. I am not a doctor. And I mean, my God, be responsible. Hi, I'm Maria, and I am... 33 years old, and I live outside of, just outside of Chicago. How old were you when you were diagnosed? I was four, so I'm coming up in April on 29 years. Perfect. And and I say say perfect because for what we're going to talk about today, you have length of um, service and you and you have um, experience as an adult, so I think what you're going to say is going to be um, it's going to cover a lot of, of bases, which I think I'm I'm very excited about. I hope so. Yeah. Let's tell people a little bit what happened. So Maria sent me a note. Do you listen to the podcast? I do. Okay. Yeah. So, so you sent me a note, and you were like, "Do you have an episode about burnout?" And I said, "I don't, but I know how to fix that if you're experiencing burnout." <laughs> which yeah. now put poor Maria on the podcast to talk about her burnout. It's a thing I think a lot of people, you know, experience at some point or multiple points um, for some of us, but I just thought it was a good topic and I was, I really enjoy the podcast so much. I was like, if he's done a show about this, I, I should reach out because um, I probably started listening maybe about a year ago. Okay. So I knew that there was some archives that I hadn't, you know, hadn't heard yet. Well, we like to encourage people to go back and listen to all the sons, Maria. I don't know how many people listening realize how many people you are listening to got on the show by calling by by uh, sending a text or a message through Facebook or something and saying, "Hey, do you have something about MDI? Do you have something about burnout?" And I'm like, "No, but do you? What do you know about it?" And and mm-hmm. then it's amazing because sometimes knowing something about the topic is really valuable for people, but also not knowing and then talking through what you don't know ends up being just as valuable. So. 
I really appreciate you taking the time and, and lending yourself to this. Uh, so let me, let me ask you the first question. Diagnosed at four and you're 33. Mm-hmm. 29 years ago, you said. That's a long time. I, by the way, found myself jealous that you're 33, which now I guess means I'm in the latter part of my 40s. I was like, 33? <laughs> yeah. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd pay for that. What do you remember about being diagnosed at four? Um, not much. Uh, I was, you know, in preschool and um, my teachers were obviously noticing that I, because I was a pretty like good kid, good student, and that I had pretty serious like attitude swings and they weren't really sure where that was coming from um, because I felt horrible. Um, and then at home, you know, all the classic stuff, I think I did lose a little bit of weight, um, drinking constantly, going to the bathroom constantly. Like I actually remember um, getting up in the middle of the night and going to the fridge. I opened like a, probably a thing of like orange juice or whatever you keep in the house when you have, you know, a four-year-old kid. Um, And just taking the whole gallon out and trying to drink from the gallon. But I was so small that it just, it spilled everywhere in the middle of the night. So, um, well, now, and my mom, if this wasn't a story about diabetes, that would just be an adorable sight. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. And then you look back and you're like, oh. Oh, that um, sad child was dying. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all context um, and the music you play behind it, really. So, right, um, <laughs> right. Yeah, but my, um, my mom is uh, is still a nurse and was at that time as well. Okay. Um, so she knew that something was, was up. Um, you know, we went to the family doctor. And I grew up outside of, just outside of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, so the family doctor on the Illinois side was like, yeah, you know, I really think this might be type one. Um, we were lucky enough in St. Louis to have, there's two great children's hospitals. So we went right over there and had, you know, got diagnosed, had the week long stay um, and, you know, diabetes boot camp that new parents go through. My parents did that. And you know, on your way, figure, yeah. figure it out. <laughs> well, well, being di- you being diagnosed at four and having experienced burnout, and I think you've experienced it more than once, right? It's come and gone. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you kind of are taking away a tiny bit of my hope, which was my daughter was diagnosed so early that she'll never really remember a life without diabetes and that might help her. And I guess it does help in some ways, but can you talk about that from your perspective? The Big Dancing for Diabetes show is coming quickly on November 10th. Orlando peeps, have you got your tickets yet? Everyone else, have you checked it out? Dancing4diabetes.com. That's dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. But can you talk about that from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and, you know, I do know people, it's gone both ways, where they've always had it. Um, so, you know, in a sense, they don't know any differently, um, folks who are diagnosed where they have to totally change their life and their habits. Um, and it may be a little bit personality based too, but, you know, for me, I think my, the first time I really started to experience burnout was really, um, that transitional age between like 18 and 25. I think that's a, I think it's a hard time for, you know, people in general, you're trying to figure out who you are. Um, in my case, I was going away from home to college, um, and my mom had been, you know, she's a nurse, so she helped take care of everything, which was really great. Um, 
and I, you know, I, I gave my own shots, but I just, it wasn't an ever present thing in my mind when I was a teenager. Right. Um, and I was on a pump actually in high school. I went off of it probably my junior year in high school because it was getting in my way. I had a tubed pump and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so went off to college with MDI and then between trying to figure out life away from home, you know, who I, who I was and who I wanted to be, um, you know, I was kind of a partier, so I was going out all the time and I just didn't, I didn't feel like I had room for diabetes in my life yeah. and it was a lot easier to just not acknowledge it. Right. Um, but it doesn't, so, let, it doesn't really let you do that, right? You, no. You, yeah. No, it totally doesn't. But you, you think that you think that you're besting it, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you think you're invincible because you're 18 or whatever. Yeah. Um, or in any stage of life, you just, it's the whole thing that you've talked about before where there's immediate consequences if you have tight control and you're dealing with lows. Mm-hmm. Um, and those consequences just seem far away when, <clears throat> excuse me, when it's highs. You know, it's kind of like student loans. Like, yeah, I, I know I've got them. <laughs> I mean, someday I'll have to deal with that. But it, they don't seem real to you at the moment. Sure. Um, which I have both diabetes and student loans, so I can totally, um, <laughs> good analogy. But it's something that just, it was so much easier for me to focus on the things that I wanted to focus on and kind of let diabetes um, run in the background, but not be a, a big part of my everyday life. Right. Um, you know, so that, that was really like college. I just, I was kind of in the attitude, like, I don't have time for this. It's going to be fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later in my twenties, may I ask one question there when you were doing yeah, that, when you were saying, when you were saying, you know, I don't have time for this. It's going to be fine. Did you, did you consciously think I'll catch back up or did you think, this isn't really a problem or did you know it was a problem? You just thought it wouldn't be if, cause it's only gonna be a couple of years. Like what was the rationale mm-hmm. you used to have that thought? Um, I don't, I mean, I knew you might not was, remember. Uh, no, I, I knew it was bad what I was doing, but I didn't, I didn't consciously think about like, okay, well when this happens, I'll be in better control. Like I really did not think about that. Okay. Um, you know, the lows, really scared me. I had a really, um, just, I was terrified of them because I had Mm -hmm. had, I'm a person who has, um, seizures if my blood sugar gets too low and I'm a, a super heavy sleeper. So I, that had happened to me a few times before college. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it happened, you know, happened a couple times in college too. But for me, like, Diabetes is so invisible to other people if they don't know that you have it. You know, you look totally like a normal person. So I could run around, you know, I was active. um, I was a dancer in college and I had a major and a minor. I took all these credit hours and lots of friends. So I did, I had all this stuff going on and nobody knew that I was kind of choosing to hurt myself in that way. Um, Nobody knew anything was wrong with me. And that's how I liked it at that time. Did you hide it like purposely? So I didn't really, you know, I, uh, I wouldn't say I was checking my blood sugar a lot, but I was wearing my insulin pump. I did end up going back on one 
I think maybe my junior year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gave shots, you know, before that I would, I would give shots, but I didn't actively hide it, but it wasn't something that I talked about a lot. Gotcha. Sure. Did your so, roommate know? Um, my roommate did know. Yes. Uh, actually all my roommates did know, but again, it was kind of like, I mentioned it, you know, a couple of times. It just wasn't something that either of us were thinking about constantly. Right. Right. You were thinking you know? about, um, I'm, I'm assuming like boys and drinking and maybe going to class, <laughs> stuff like that. Right. Yeah. You know, stuff normal college kids think about. Right, right, and right. I, think, I think that was part of it too. Like I just, I just wanted to be normal yeah, and that sure. was the closest way that I could come up with to, to be a normal person. Um, so breaking your yeah. life down into little bits, right? Like going back to this, mm-hmm. this time first with your, I don't know, with the, with the, with the, you know, the benefit of hindsight at this point, mm-hmm. how could you have entered college and balanced taking care of your diabetes and being, you know, a quote unquote normal person? Would it have been something that existed that you now see you could have had? Would it be if you could have fast forwarded into, I don't know, like now when you, I'm, what, what kind of gear do you use now? Do you have a pump now? I do. Um, I have the Omnipod and I'm using Dexcom and I've been on both of those for about two years. Okay. So if you had those things going to college, do you think it would have changed? Do you think it was, it's time and experience and perspective you need like, what would you have needed back then to kind of seamlessly go to college, have friends, dance, get decent grades, go out and drink, take care of yourself? Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it was, it's really, um, it's all been an attitude change. So it's, it's feeling that sense of like empowerment and control. Mm -hmm that I didn't have back then. I kind of had the attitude back then, like, no matter what I do, it's wrong. I I just can't figure this out. I feel kind of helpless. So it takes a lot of energy to keep trying and not getting the results that I want. Um, And not to say that I tried super hard, but when I did, it was just, it was defeating to always like have my blood sugar be out of control or feel badly. Um, You know, I kind of felt like I was punished when I did try to keep them in control um, with lows and then, you know, a seizure and negative attention that I didn't want in a hospital stay. It was just like, why even go through this? Because I can not do these things and I can get by without it. If it makes you feel better, I had a headache the other night and Advil was 26 feet away from me across two rooms. And I was like, I'm not going through all that. And so, uh, and there was nothing even to step over on the way to where the Advil was. And I was still like, I'll just live with the headache. So I get, I get what you're saying. Like with, and, and stop me if I'm wrong, please. But back then, no, no real, no tools that were working for you. Um, and you know, trying, but not succeeding. And then nobody telling you, Hey, we like how much you're trying, but try this instead of that. So all this kind of effort without reward, um, it just, it's overwhelming at some point. Like how many times can I push into this brick wall before I realize it's not going to fall over? I'm looking at a photograph right now of Arden from her homecoming dance just this past weekend. Arden's a freshman in high school now. She just looks so grown up and healthy and amazing in this picture and really pretty. And it made me think of another photograph 
and it was a photograph that she took when she was four years old. Just as she was beginning to use Omnipod, she did it for her children's hospital. It was for one of their brochures. And I just remember her being so adorable in that picture. And I don't know, I just started thinking about the passage of time and a decade since these two pictures were taken. You know, a decade had passed. And she's growing up just perfectly. And in both of these photographs is this pump, this insulin pump made by Omnipod. It just really made me consider how much of Arden's health and success is tied to her ability to get insulin to keep her blood sugar in a good range. This pump has been in all these pictures for 10 years. The Omnipod has been a stable and reliable friend to my daughter and to our family for a decade. It is a huge, if not almost complete part of why her A1C is where it is, why her blood sugars are mismatched, and why her blood sugars are manageable during school and sleep and pretty intense physical activity when she plays a sport. I'm going to put this picture on the Facebook page for Juicebox Podcast and for Arden's Day's blog. You can take a look if you want, but for now, you should really consider going to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to try one for yourself. There are links in your show notes, and Omnipod would love to send you a free, no obligation demo pod. A decade of trusted confidence is just a click away. How many times can I push into this brick wall before I realize it's not going to fall over? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's so many things now. There's a lot of tools now that, um, you know, I I think every diabetic who feels like they have some success and control has um, a multifaceted approach Mm -hmm. for why, you know, why they're doing well at that certainly is my case. And I, I had zero of those things happening for me back, <laughs> you know, at that time. I have a 10 point <laughs> plan of which at the moment right. I have none of the points. Do you think that was burnout just ignoring it in college? Um, I, I do because mm-hmm. in high school I, I didn't ignore it. Um, and it's, you know, I, like I said, I think people in that age group, um, tend to go through something similar, even if it's not with diabetes. I mean, with some young adults, it's finances, right? You never really had to deal with it. You go off to school and you're like, "Ah, I'm just going to have a credit card. And you kind of have to, I'm a person who has to, unfortunately, learn the hard way sometimes. Um, (laughs) You know, so I think that it happens. And this just happened to be the, you know, the hand I was dealt with type one. Right. Um. So, but that is a different type of burnout than I experienced later in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, I want to stop you for a second. I want to. I don't want to mm-hmm. flash forward yet. So, uh, if you're okay. willing, I want to know if you're. You don't need to do this, but if you're willing to put context to, I was paying attention to it in high school. What did that mean for like average blood sugars in A one C? Uh sure. So when I was in high school, it was the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I was paying attention to, you know, I, when I was on injections, I was taking shots whenever I ate, um, counting carbs, checking my blood sugar. I was a cheerleader. So, like, all my little cheerleading friends knew, like, oh, you have to give a shot now. Right. You know, it was just, it was more of a present part of my life. Sure. Um, it was more integrated. So, I was, um, and I was very active. So, of course, my, my mom was helping me in, 
and my parents were helping me make sure that I could manage lows if I was doing a dance thing all day or cheerleading or whatever. Um, so it, it just had, it was just more incorporated, okay. I guess. And, and and so you your numbers were what you would have <laughs> called like, I don't want to say good, but I'm looking like mm-hmm. you were in a yeah. ra- you were in a stable range that your doctors were happy with and you were happy with. Yeah, um, I think I was probably my A1Cs were probably around you know in the sevens or eights. And see that um, you know it's funny I, taking into account the time MDI mm-hmm. high school. I was sitting here thinking she's going to say between seven and eight. Because yeah. because that seems reasonable, you know, for for that gear or for that time of your life. And then do you do you did you keep up with your appointments in college? No. No, I didn't. I became very much a you know, I was a, a drug seeker for insulin. Like I went to the doctor when I had to get my prescription refilled. Sure. Um I've cried inside of a Walgreens more times than I'd like to admit <laughs> because just to I get just, somebody to give you insulin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was not good. I did not have a steady relationship with my doctor. I didn't like going to the doctor. I felt terrible every time I went because okay. my blood sugars were out of control. You know, they'd yell at me cause they, they, uh, I think I've heard, I heard you say this on a recent episode, but they didn't know how to motivate me. Right. So they're like, oh, we'll just try to scare her and yeah. see if that works. Want to lose your legs, honey? And right. she's like, no, and I'm sad right. already. Um, yeah, and I'm 20 and I know everything, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. obviously. That uh, guy's an idiot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that that wasn't helpful. Um, but no, I and I mean, I would switch doctors often because I, I just didn't. Come in, get your scripts, get what you need, and then not go back, and then they'd get tired of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And and I have to ask, um, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but where was your mom on the not going to the doctor thing in college? Um, you know, I think she was trying to do her best to ask me, and you know, she'd always ask, "How are your blood sugars? How's everything going?" Um, but really try to release the reins to me. You know, she knew mm-hmm. that she wasn't going to manage it from five hours away. Um, and certainly we didn't have the technology that exists now. So she, she was concerned. I knew she was always concerned. I probably lied to her a little bit and said they were better than they were. Um, but yeah, the, you know, I kept her in the dark and it was easy to do that because they were far away. Yeah. Did you do it through, um, I think I'm going to know the answer here <laughs> because of your, your other answer about, by the way, so funny, a drug seeker for insulin, uh, hilarious. And, and so, but, um, but did you do it through like deception or did you do it through like putting up a wall that she knew she couldn't get away with asking too much about? It was probably a little bit of both. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, and you know, I wanted, the main thing was, for me, you know, I was in all other areas of my life being pretty successful. I was, you know, always on like the dean's list in college. I was a good student. I liked school. It was never even a question if I was going to go to college. I always had that in my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mom was always really, you know, and my dad too, but they were always really happy with that. Yeah. Um, and if I could keep my blood sugars up and, or I'm sorry, keep my grades up and... <laughs> <laughs> also, my blood sugar and my blood sugar is down. <laughs> um, you know, they were they were happy with that, but 
yeah, it, you know, she just didn't have. No, I, I understand. I, I I was just wondering what what tools you employed to keep her at bay because you're 33 now. Do you have kids? Um, I don't. Okay, that's. But I, uh, I am actually 12 weeks pregnant. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. I just did an interview with um, Ginger Vieira and Jenny Smith about their pregnancy with diabetes book. Um, oh, it's, it's not up yet, but um, but I'll give you the title of it when we're done. Um, yeah. So so you can answer from, from a 33-year-old's perspective looking back now. Do you wish at that moment your mom would have ignored you and just pushed harder or do you think you would have pushed back harder and it would have just gotten more contentious in that way but like, like do you know what I mean like there's this I mm-hmm. I can only imagine my own kids right I have 18 I have almost a 14 there are times they put up walls and I don't accept that and and if it's important enough I push through it and they sort of can't stop me do, do you right. know what I mean like I don't let mm-hmm. them hold me back and then they get mad at me maybe but then that goes away like would you have preferred that happen looking back now her to just be like hey, come on like you know you got to give me better answers than this and if you can't if you can't come through I'm gonna drive for five damn hours out there and and we're gonna get this straightened out like would you have wanted that kind of loving parenting from her do you think you would have I, I think that would have blown up spectacularly. Gotcha. I, I don't think I would have been receptive to that at all. Better from um, your dad or her, or wouldn't it have mattered? I don't think it would have mattered. Okay. Um, you know, and I was very much like, I know that I know parents get it because you, you do it, you mm-hmm. take care of them. But at that point, um, I was living with it. You know, I, I was a little bit, it's none of your business kind of, um, kind of perspective. So, and, and just my, you know, my relationship with my parents is very different now than it was when I was a teenager. Sure, of course. But I just don't, yeah, I think that would have not gone well. That would have probably ended up in us not speaking for Ever. a while. I would have pushed her, I would have pushed her uh, away, definitely. Gotcha. I would have taken your money away and made you come home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. I would have yeah. been like, hey, guess who? Everyone who goes to college raised their hand. And as you started putting your hand up, I'd be like, not so fast. And uh, <laughs> you're coming home. Um, that would have, yeah, I don't know. Look, I get what you're saying. Like, everyone's different. Like, I don't, I didn't ask that question to be like, hey, there's a specific answer for how to handle this. I was just wondering in your perspective. You want some perspective? I'll give you some perspective. My daughter's A1C, it was not good for a long time. Then I figured some things out. I figured out about pre-bolusing. I figured out about bumping and nudging. All the stuff that you hear me talk about when I'm like bold with insulin, that stuff. But did you ever wonder how I figured it out? You think it just came to me in a dream? I was just sleeping one day. I was like, oh, bold with insulin. That is not what happened. I was paying attention to the data that was being delivered to me by Arden's continuous glucose monitor, by her Dexcom. Right now, Arden wears the Dexcom G6. It is the most advanced version that Dexcom has ever produced. It is absolutely spectacular. I'm looking at her blood sugar right now. She's at school and it was 122. We had a little bit of a high and we're in the middle of nudging it down right now. But back to what I was talking about. You do something with insulin, you see the effect. You're not blind. I mean, just get up and close your eyes and try to walk around your house. It's impossible. You're going to come out of it with a, with a bloody nose and a, a black eye. And that's what happens with diabetes when you try to do things with your eyes closed. Dexcom opens your eyes. 
This device is not just an alarm that tells you when your blood sugar is low. I mean, it does that, but it's so much more. The data is everything. And you know Dexcom also supports share and follow on iPhone and Android phones, so you can see your loved one's blood sugars no matter where they are. Come on, what are you waiting for? Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. The links in your show notes, the links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Do it right now. Do it today. Do yourself a favor. So you graduated from college and were pretty unaware of really anything about your diabetes at that point you were you weren't really going to doctors and everything and then you said you experienced burnout again in your 20s what was that and you know what 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 is what face does that take because i think when people when you say burnout to me i think of it just it becomes overwhelming and you don't really feel like taking care of it as much and it's just it's cumbersome and tiring and repetitive and uh but i also am not in my mind in any way, a person who has ever experienced any kind of like sadness or depression in my life. Like I've had, you know, the same stuff that everybody else has. My parents are divorced. I, I live with the idea that I'm, you know, adopted. Um, I've had people die around me. I don't get depressed. So it's, it's not my natural course. Is it your natural course or no? Or is this, is this, can you describe what burnt? Because that, that's the thing. Sometimes I feel like we talk about things more like a burnout, you know, burnout. But what does that yeah. mean? Like, what did it do to you? Yeah. So um, I think for me, that specific term has taken a few different, um, it's shown its face in a few different ways. Mm-hmm. But um, I've never been clinically diagnosed as depressed, but I have um, eventually, and we'll get to the story, you know, sought um, treatment mm-hmm. for dealing with the chronic disease, um, which was helpful. So Early on, no, it was not, I'm sad, I'm depressed about being diabetic. It was more like, ah, it's too much and I, I kind of can't handle it, yeah. so I'm not going to. Okay. Um, I think the the sadness and sort of depression part, which, I don't know, maybe a little bit of my personality, not not completely, mm-hmm. but um, that, came, that came later um, when I started really trying again. That was really like, I, I just kept feeling so defeated every you, time I would try to um, to manage my diabetes and fail. So, yeah. So, you got it back in you mm-hmm. again. I'm going to try again. A little more mature, a little more aware of your health. And then mm-hmm. and then still not the right tools, not the right support. Yeah. And, and right back to the same path again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yep. would have done me in too, probably. Maybe, I, maybe, the, maybe the fifth <laughs> time it happened, I would have been like, you know what? Um, I'm... I'm cooked. So, okay. Yeah. So go ahead to your twenties. What, what, what happened next? So, um, after my twenties, I moved, you know, to Chicago and had, um, met my husband pretty young and had a really great group of friends. So I was, I got a job right away. So I was working and, um, and you know, I lived alone. So I was really, really scared of lows that, that was always the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to be, found, you know, dead alone in my apartment. Those are good aspirations, Maria. They're very good aspirations to have, yeah. (laughs) I'd like to have a little savings, maybe bump into Oprah once while I'm here and not die in my apartment by myself. Yeah, Yeah. that'd be be awesome. Um, So, you know, I think it was a little more, I probably felt like, okay, now I'm an adult and now I'm going to take care of myself. But that didn't exactly, it happened to be more of the same from college, Mm -hmm. um, into my early twenties. 
Um, and then, you know, something would happen where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to try and get my life together. Um, I'd go see a new doctor. I, you know, maybe I, I did have, I think, a severe low, like a seizure at, I don't know, maybe my mid to late twenties. And okay, I have I really have to be better about this. Um, and then I would try, and then I didn't have the, you know, the right tools or the right support in place. And it was just, I was so crushed mm. by not being able to do that. And I think part of that also comes from, uh, like I said, because in the rest of the areas of my life, I, I do have my life together pretty well in most other areas. So. You know, I'm an educated person. Why can't I figure this out? What is wrong with me that I can't make this work? So is is it's funny because I bet you being successful in other areas makes it worse because you can look and say, look, I, I, I do this well, I do this well, you know, these things are all working out the way I kind of intended or at least closely enough. How is it this one thing I'm this lost about? And, right. Yeah. And oh, well, that's interesting. Um Oh Jesus! I feel bad. I don't. I didn't expect to feel. I um. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's not your fault. I feel like I feel. I mean, talking to you about this part of your life really gives me the same feeling that I think drove me to the podcast. Like it was just that like idea of like you were this person who was like you're describing a person who was so close to like fulfillment and just for the want of somebody saying. Hey, look, this is how insulin works. And you just put it in here instead of there and like that kind of stuff. And like those little like tips and tricks and things like that, like you were like, it, it just, it's crushing to me to hear you that you spent that many years that close to the answer, but still that far away from it. Mm -hmm. um, it it's just, I, yeah. I, we don't know each other. And, and still, I feel like an incredible amount of like empathy at the moment. Like, like it's, um, it's too much for a Friday is what I'm saying. Right? And so <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I just think that if you don't, um, I mean, the support is huge and having a network, um, having those tools, I mean, diabetes can be so isolating mm -hmm. and just, you know, even my, my boyfriend at the time who now is my husband, like he was with me all the time. He kind of saw what I was doing, but he had no idea. And my friends who, love me and are so supportive in every aspect of my life. Um, I love them so much. I can't even talk about them without crying, but right. they, they don't get it and it's fine. They, I can't, you can't expect someone to understand the nuance of living with and um, managing sure. diabetes. So, you know, it, and then you have the isolation part and then you have the shame part, which was huge because I knew that it wasn't doing well doctors were blatantly telling me I wasn't doing well. I like couldn't, I felt like I couldn't tell my, you know, my parents or my family cause they'd be really disappointed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had this whole other like shame aspect of how, um, you know, how poorly it was going, mm -hmm. which was even more isolating. So it was just a lot of complex feelings kind of pushed down under this, like, Hey, this like shiny, happy twenty-year-old person who kind of looks like she's got her life together. Yeah, that, well, you just said something I, I, you didn't know about. But this week, earlier this week, I recorded an episode with a person who we basically just talked about shame, and mm -hmm. and they reached out to me and they said, "I am so full of shame about my diabetes." And we talked about it for a full hour. What I just realized is, is I'm going to run yours one week and hers the next week, 
um, mm-hmm. because they're going to complement each other really well. Um, and it's funny. In one week, I heard the word shame twice, and I didn't really hear it in 150 hours prior to that. Um, yeah. It, so I'm glad we're talking about it. Um, okay, so you're in Chicago. Um, you've met the guy you're going to marry eventually. I have one question about that. When you get serious with someone and you're a person who's not really that open with their diabetes, do you feel like you're hiding something from him? Does it, does it change? Does that being private change more into, I feel like I'm lying to you ever? Um, you know, it, it didn't in the beginning, um, because what I, what I told people and kind of what I believe myself is, you know, I'm type one diabetic, but it's, it's not really that big of a deal. Um, and so I, I didn't feel like I was hiding anything in the beginning. I think when I started really trying to manage it and it was difficult, um, that was really like the breakthrough moment of like, you know, crying. This is so hard. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this. Um, I think that was the time when I we really had the, the tough conversations around it. And I think he probably was, you know, surprised uh, by all of the, all of the things that come along with dating and loving a type one diabetic. Person. I was going to say, he must've been shocked. He must've been like, wow, yeah. I didn't see any of this. And now this is all of a sudden here. And, and yeah. so you're opening up to him, which is great. Um, mm. And I, and he didn't like, he didn't excuse himself to go into the other room and never come <laughs> back. So you must've been like, wow, this guy either really loves me or I'm really good at sex. One or the other. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Maybe both. Who knows? Hey, I wasn't, I wasn't knocking you. You could totally be good at both. And so, but, but no, I, it just, cause that's a real like leap. Like it really is. It's for somebody to have like been with you for a while and, and been like, yeah, that yeah, she's got diabetes, but it seems really easy and she's got it to mm-hmm. one day, yeah. to one day you being like, Hey, I haven't mentioned that it's not easy and I don't got it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, right. and, and then here's, here's really how I feel that well, good for you. I mean, I've said it here a bunch of times to people like, you know, don't settle for somebody who doesn't love you like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's, that's really wonderful. So I'm, I'm really happy for you that you found that. Um, Okay, so he, you've now opened yourself up to him. Did that did that lead to your next attempt of I'm going to take better care of myself? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean my next several attempts. My I think. next several um, attempts. <laughs> but yeah, we you know that was something that we we talked about. Um, he was always willing to you know help be part of that. But yeah, I think slowly kind of talking about it more really I, I don't feel like I got into a good really putting a concentrated effort to managing my diabetes until probably my late 20s early um probably when I turned 30 I had I went to grad school um when I was you know 28 and 29 so I graduated right before I was 30 um and at that point I was like okay I'm 30 you really do have to get your life together in all areas including diabetes I had been married for, um, you know, five years at that point. And we, when we got married, we weren't sure if we wanted to have kids, but I was like, I'm 30 now. We need to uh, figure out what we're going to do and come up with a plan if that is the plan. Um, You know, so I think that was a motivating factor. But I started, you know, just like my husband before we kind of had those talks all of my friends, all of my colleagues would say the same thing. She's type one, but you know, she's got it. Like she does such a great job taking care of herself because to them, 
it looked like that. Yeah, Maria, all you um, did, all you really did was do a really good job of making everybody think you were okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I was amazing at it. Yeah. Um, so then I had to start, you know, correcting people actually not, you know, not so much, um, my close friends and mm -hmm. things like that, but being able to have those conversations, you know, it helped, it just helped me not feel so alone. And I think that was huge. Yeah. I, I felt like I had the support. Um, I could be honest and have to hide, uh, what was going on. And that, uh, was really helpful for me. Yeah. To, so to, so to be open with it was to kind of take away a lot of the pressures that caused the, the, I guess the sadness and the burnout to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just letting other people yeah. in. That's, you know, it's funny when you say it, it sounds so simple, right? Like, did, right. doesn't it, doesn't it feel like, oh, wow, how did I not figure that out sooner? Um, and Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's funny because you just trip into it one way or the other. Like you said, it could be personality based. You know, I know, I know some people who are like, I, my kid will not let anyone see their insulin pump. I spoke at something recently and I met mm -hmm. this person who I know listens to this podcast and her daughter was there and she's like, nobody gets to see her pump. And I, I you know, she, her daughter was like 17 and I, I I'm, sure I overstepped the bound, but I looked at her daughter in the face and I'll have to bleep this out later. But I was like, really, you should not give a f what anybody else thinks about your diabetes. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, just wear the pump on your forehead if you want to just, mm -hmm. just don't worry about them because, because the advice I gave her at that moment was moving forward in your life later, you know, when you're, when your health is at, at risk, because you don't want to pull out your device and give yourself insulin in class because you're afraid of people looking at you. I said, those people will all be gone. And you're mm -hmm. going to be the one left with the, with the issues, you know? Yeah. So you have to really, and then what I said to her at the end was you have to care about yourself more than you care about what other people think. Yeah. And, and then it's funny because what you found was, you know, in a slightly different vein is you needed other people to just know you for real. Like, mm -hmm. like to really like just to see what you were and to just go, oh, okay, I get it. Like, it's funny. You weren't asking anything from them, right? You didn't ask them to carry your insulin around for you or to make sure you're testing your blood. You didn't ask them to do something. You just, you just let them see you for real. I, I just had to be vulnerable, which is hard yeah. for me. Yeah. Sure. Well, um, it won't be hard for you after to have that baby because you'll be vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just be sitting yeah. in your living room going, I don't know why I did this. <laughs> I mean, the what kid's delightful, but oh my God, it wants everything. And so, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, but it's, it really is interesting to see all this tie back to the more conversations I have, the more interesting I am to see the different interested I am to see the way that things tie together in ways I didn't expect them to. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there are really only a finite number of stories that we're all just sort of living through, but just slightly differently depending on our circumstances, I guess, and our personalities and, and, and perspectives. Um, yeah. so how much of, so we've talked about that it's come and gone. We've talked about probably what it, you know, what, what leads into the, the burnout. Um, how do you get out of it? Dancing the number four diabetes.com. Go to dancingfordiabetes.com. Have you not done this yet? Dancing for diabetes.com. Dancing the number four diabetes. Maybe you don't know how to spell it. Is that why you haven't been there? Dancing is D A N C I N G. Four is a four, it's a number. It comes after three, it's between three and five. And diabetes, D I A. Betes, B-E-T-E-S, dot is a period and com, C-O-M, dancingfordiabetes.com. How do you get out of it?
Is it just deciding to get out of it? Um, I, I think that's certainly part of it. You have to, you know, make a commitment. Um, but I think surrounding, you know, as we said, there's resources, there's tools, there's support. Um, and for me, the, the 10 point plan, you know, it was, um, I think a big part of being able to get out of it was, you know, I did seek some mental health, um, help Mm -hmm. because I, I was just struggling. And I, so I, you know, I changed doctors. That was huge for me because the doctor I had been going to was very nice. She certainly, you know, cared what was going on with me, but the little stuff, I know you've talked about this before, you know, they weren't, um, they weren't connected in a digital way. So just, you know, write down your blood sugars and bring them in. Okay. Well, you know how that goes. Yeah. I'm not Um, doing that. (laughs) Or I would do it and I'd be like, okay, well, uh, this one was 212. Like I wouldn't just make stuff up. No, I didn't want to, I was too proud to walk in there without anything, but I also, I wanted to be compliant, but I couldn't be compliant. Um, you were compliant, but not honest. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> which is probably so, not compliant. <laughs> which I know. Is, I mean, what a waste of everyone's time. Hi, here are the numbers I made up. Let's get going. <laughs> right. Uh, do Work your magic, please. Fix me. Thanks. Um, so oh, my God. Right. I'm so sorry. You just made me laugh so hard. <laughs> like, what a waste of everyone's time. That line just it made was. me, it just made me laugh. Like that's such a great, um, just admonishment from you. Like, you just <laughs> it was, it was so ridiculous. I should have went um, to the zoo. <laughs> right. Right. I'm glad I paid you my $30 copay to come in here and waste your time. Um, so, you know, I, it just, it wasn't working for me. Um, again, I, I feel like that doctor that I was with, she was, she was trying really hard, but it just, it wasn't working. And then she went to the scare tactics and I'm like, I, okay, mm-hmm. I got to go somewhere else. So, um, I ended up going, I actually work for a health system now. So I ended up coming into my health system, which, you know, they hook everything up. You don't have to do anything and they could help read my numbers. Yeah. But by the time I found them, I was, I walked into the office. I said, my A1C is terrible. I want to make it better. I'm ready to like help do that and mm-hmm. work towards that but I need a lot of help. It's going to take a lot of work. Okay. Um, so that was a big part of it too. I also found, I think I started on, and it had never occurred to me to do this, to like look at diabetes, like message boards and not through like the JDRF or, you know, I wanted like young people who looked and talked like me. Right. So I think I found a Reddit thread that was so brutally honest. Mm-hmm about people um, experiencing burnout, having, you know, struggling to manage their diabetes. And for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, other people go through this, too. Yeah. And that was really helpful. So from there, you know, it um, landed on the Facebook groups, which I think is maybe where I heard about the podcast, Um, you know, the Dexcom and Omnipod group eventually. But that was a huge part of support. Um, I think the honesty factor can't be undervalued. You know, just mm-hmm. scrubbing things up and making them feel nice and telling you it's going to be okay and everything is, it's just a very Pollyanna way of approaching everything. Like, you mm-hmm. shouldn't scare the crap out of people when they're diagnosed or when they have questions. Right. But it it would be nice at least to let them know, you know, that your expectations should fall somewhere in this range. Not, not mm-hmm. like if this doesn't happen, you've screwed up and, and run away crying. It, it just, it's, 
I can't. The honesty is just it's overwhelmingly important. You know, it's funny. You, so you said you you went to you found some mental health care. I just spoke with somebody this week privately who was the, a parent of a child who's been recent, more recently diagnosed. And the anxiety of the of the worry of, oh, my gosh, am I going to do this to hurt them or, you know, that kind of thing led mm-hmm. them to do the very same thing. And when they told me that, I was like, congratulations, like, for doing it so quickly. You know, yeah. for not just, like, digging a hole and then burying yourself and digging it deeper and keeping going. She, right away, this person was just like, I'm going to go talk to somebody and, and work this out. And uh, yeah. you just can't ignore things like that, you know? Yeah, and it wasn't, um, I mean, it, it certainly wasn't my grand idea that I just came up with. It was when I started seeing my new health team, and it, it really is a team of the endocrinologists, the mm-hmm. CDEs, um, but that was when I said I'm having a hard time, they're like, you know, it might be worthwhile. We have somebody who specializes in um, dealing with chronic illness, um, and it might be worthwhile to go talk to them. So I did, and that was, you know, I, I think one of the best things I learned from that, um, I actually don't see that person any longer, but they had, I had a lot of anxiety. This is before I had the pod um, about changing my pump. I had like a Medtronic before that, and um I was like, oh, just it, it like takes forever. I have to run around and get all the stuff. And like, I just don't want to quit what I'm doing to change the site. So I just sit there like without insulin for, you know, hours or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and she's like, you have to, you have to time how long it change it takes to change a site. And she's like, do that. Let me know. And I was like, it takes one minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> Forever. Right. Like, but it was that like mental, you know, um, I just had all these mental barriers of like, I, I can't do this. I don't have time to do this. I'm not, I don't know how to do this. Um, and so she helped me. It was kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy. So she said, you know, here's the thing you're worried about. Here are the tools that we can use to kind of deal with that. And um, that was really helpful for me. Very nice. Um, okay. So I'm assuming that all of this led into your 30s. I'm going to, you know, I'm imagining, you know, Mary Tyler Moore running down the street, um, <laughs> the wind's blowing in your hair, everything is fixed, you're, you're on a new path. Um, but, but how much of deciding to have a baby like whipped you together the rest of the way? Because this is something I was talking about just yesterday with Jenny while we were recording. Um, and mm-hmm. it's funny how this all lined up. But, uh, you know, I said to her, I'm like, how many people couldn't find a way to love and care about themselves enough to really make the leaps they needed to make. But once they decided they were going to grow a baby, found the way to like, you know what I mean? Like it's sometimes yeah. it's mm-hmm. easier to love and care for somebody else. Yeah. Rather than yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that was certainly part of it. Um, so I think that because I did get serious about that, I asked my team, you know, what would, what needs to happen if that's something that we want to do? Cause we're not, we still weren't a hundred percent either way on it. Um, and they're like, okay, well, we want your A1C under six, which I, I don't know, my jaw was on the floor where, because I had never. I was going to say, where was it when they said that to you? Um, so I think when I started seeing this particular team, I think my A1C was like an 11. Mm-hmm. It was high. Um, and then I kind of hung around eight and nine for a while. It would kind of bounce back and forth. Right. So I was like, okay, I have to get it down to a six. So I was like, I am not sure I will ever, ever be able to do that. Um, 
but they're like, you know, that's, that's what has to happen. And so did you, did you tell your husband, you better start looking at puppies? Cause I'm not hundred percent sure this is going to work out. <laughs> well, no, I mean, we had, we had several in-depth conversations about, um, here's what it's going to take. And, you know, I will need your support, but it's all me. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. I have to do all of this. It's, it's a lot. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Um, and then there was the other aspect of, um, you know, we've never tried to have a baby before. I had no idea if it was even going to work. So I was like, we, we could go through all this and we should go through this exercise because I do need to get my A1C down. I think my life's going to be, it, it will be better once I am able to do that. Um, it's something I should be doing anyway. Yeah. But, but that um, popped into your head. Like what if we're infertile somehow or. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wasn't, you weren't thinking like you couldn't figure out how to do it, do it. You were thinking, yeah, (laughs) you weren't just like, what if this doesn't work? And my hand ends up pregnant. And so, (laughs) right, right, right. right. It wasn't a misunderstanding like that. Right. Interesting is that you needed his support, but you didn't need him to do anything. What does that mean? Um, I mean, so to control my diabetes, you know, I need, I need a supportive ear to, to listen to me whine when things aren't going well, or, Mm -hmm. you know, be there to support me emotionally, but physically managing the disease, managing my insulin, making sure my blood sugars stay within range. I, I do all of that. Okay. Um, my husband understands how diabetes works, but if I was, you know, if I was unable to communicate with him, he couldn't run the show. Right. Um, so it, it's on me. So, I, you know, I felt pressure to like, if this is something we want to do, if I can't get my act together, it won't happen because it's it's all on me. Um, so, you know, just I wanted him to understand what that what that pressure was for me and yeah. what that meant. Um, and then, you know, be just kind of be ready to go through that as I was going to really give this a try to get the a1c down and like and we kind of made an agreement like you know if we're going to do this if we're going to try to have a baby we will not start trying until my a1c is where it needs to be right you have to prove to yourself you can actually get it there and Mm -hmm. then on top of that you want that trust me i had a long conversation about all this yesterday with with Mm -hmm. a cd so now i understand it a little better than i used to but you want the baby's development to start at the right place not not, right. not begin and then hope you can get it the rest of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, and then you have to right maintain it for nine months. So it's much easier to already be in that spot rather than, oh, crap, now I have to get there and figure out how to do it on an ongoing basis. Right, because what if you can't figure it out right away and it eats right. up months of the pregnancy? Okay, so mm-hmm. what did you figure yeah. out? Like, Because I'm assuming you, you, you steadfastly made that agreement with each other. So you had your A1C at six when you got pregnant. So... How did you, um, how did you yeah. get to that spot? So, um, that was you know, a combination of, um, getting the Dexcom, getting the, um, the Omnipod, which I love so much. Oh, cool. Um, but the, and which hap- that happened, like I said, about two, maybe almost three years ago at this point. So I was already on those. Um, but then finding, I guess, finding the tips. Um, and listening, you know, listening to this podcast, I think the pre-bolusing really helped get me there. Um, my range on my Dexcom now is 70 to 120. So I'm really trying to keep that tight control. Um, those are my limits. 
so you know that was a combination of it it just trying to be i'm just i'm so much more relaxed about it now when something goes quote unquote wrong when i get a blood sugar that i don't want or don't expect i can still get frustrated but it doesn't just it doesn't turn into i can't do this what is wrong with me right. it doesn't get to that point like it used to it's exciting. for me i'm i'm so glad to hear that can i go out on a limb and ask if it's a boy yeah. will you name it scott we can, uh, we'll keep it on the list. Seriously? We won't, we won't know. Um, my middle name's yeah, terrible, know. so I can only offer my first name to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that is just really, that's great to hear. Like, it really is. It's, it's, it's hard to put into words from my perspective how nice it is to hear you say that. So yeah. I'm just really happy for you. Um, you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Congratulations. The, so you weren't infertile. And I, you know, do you know, I don't, I don't know how much people will believe, uh, but when you came on, I didn't know you were pregnant. Yeah, no. Um, when I reached out to you, I certainly wasn't. Right. So. right. And yeah. so, um, and when we started this phone call, like when you said a couple minutes ago, like when I was like, how did you do it? Like, I don't, I don't know. And you're like, well, you know, it all starts with Omnipod and Dexcom. I'm like, oh, people are going to think this is ad placement. <laughs> and then you were like, no. but I got them three years ago. I'm like, Ooh, that's back when the podcast started. There's no way that they think that mm -hmm. now. Um, yeah. what I, what I think we're learning is, and I, I, I really mean this is that first of all, I've, I've said it a billion times in the podcast, there are ads on this podcast from Dexcom and Omnipod because I 100% believe in them and know how you can, how they can be used to create great experiences like the one you're having. And then mm -hmm. that's why it's there. Plenty of other people try to um, advertise in the podcast and I don't talk to most of them. Um, and, and, but the, the bigger point is, is that those tools really are, I mean, they're just game changing. They, they, mm -hmm. they really, really are. I mean, you can live your life. Otherwise you don't have to use a pump. You know, you can, you can totally do MDI if you're willing to give yourself a bunch of injections every day. You can't manipulate the basal rates, which is, which is problematic if you're really trying for, yeah. you know, to make like small adjustments, these bumps and things like that. But I'm not saying that's the only way to live. I'm just saying that it gives you a layer of understanding that most of the time without, it just makes a lot of this really difficult and can put you in a lot of situations like the ones you've experienced, which were, yeah. which are terrible. I really think mm -hmm. if we go back in a time machine and find you in high school and slap a tubeless insulin pump on you in a CGM, your life goes differently. And so, yeah. you know, it just didn't exist then. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the, I, the Dexcom certainly is game changing and I did have other, CGMs before Dexcom, um, you know, that stayed on for three days. They were painful. They were inaccurate. Um, I hated wearing them. I, yeah. Like I, there were, I'd wear it for three days and I'd be like, yeah, I need a break. I'm not going to wear this for a little while. Um, and now I actually had a situation a few months ago where my Dexcom, I, I did something like goofy and started a new um, transmitter mm -hmm. um, earlier than I should have because I thought the other one was dead, but it wasn't. Um, it was just a little bit of a, a learning curve mistake. Okay. But anyway, I found myself, I was going to have two weeks before my insurance would pay for another transmitter. And I paid out of pocket. So I was like, I can't, I'm I can't get two weeks. Um, yeah. And I never would have, before, I think back many years ago, I would never have said, 
I love a piece of diabetes equipment. It's weird. Like that just <laughs> never would have come out. Yeah. I, it was cumbersome. And it was something I had to have, but I, I love the Dexcom. I love it. It, um, it makes my life a lot easier. And I just, it's hard to imagine that there were days where I didn't have it. Yeah. No, I know. You just described Dexcom the way I talk about TiVo. Uh, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> but no, I know it is weird to talk about something that is uh, wholly unsexy, um, not something mm-hmm. you really want to have in your life if everything was perfect and you had your druthers, right? But um, right. but it, 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 this being what this is, this stuff is, it's just, it's, it's aces. I don't know another mm-hmm. way to say it. Like, there's nothing better than... Yeah. Um, then, then having that kind of view and then having the ability from there to make these like little bumps and everything like that and nudges in your inside. So I just did it while, you know, we've been talking for just about an hour now. And when we got on, uh, right before we got on, I got alerted that Arden's blood sugar was creeping up over 120. Mm-hmm. And so I sent her a text because she doesn't get alerted till 130. And I said, you know, just, I think I gave her like literally like 0.3. I was like, do 0.3. And we, you and I were talking for about 15 minutes. The point three didn't work, and we we bumped it a little more. But I've got a, you know, we're gonna have to pre bolus for her lunch in about 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to do too much, but at the same time, she just got rubber bands in her braces and her mouth hurts. So I thought maybe a little more. So we bumped it a little more, and now it's coming back. It it, it that yeah. 120 diagonal up got to 139. Now it's down to 133, and it's going to keep drifting down. She'll be more like 120 when we pre us. Um, you know, and that's still higher than I was hoping for today. Um, right. You know, but she's yeah. got this pain in her mouth, so she's a little elevated and stuff. And and but just all of what I just described took. 25 seconds to accomplish, like mm-hmm. literally I did it while I was talking to you and I never lost track of what we were saying and you never knew I was doing it. Right. But yeah. if Arden was using, um, you know, if she was using pens or injections, I would not have texted her at school and been like, Hey, try to draw up less than a half of a unit of insulin while you're in math class. And, uh, you know, it just, it just wouldn't, that wouldn't be the world we live in. And then you don't think of it that way, but that 120 would have turned into 150, maybe 160. Then it would have sat there, and then she would have been more resistant when we pre bolus Then the pre bolus wouldn't have worked, and then the insulin I tried to use for lunch wouldn't have been enough. And you know, and if anxiety hit me, and I thought, oh, well, I can't, you know, I don't want to be too aggressive because she's at school. Then that's how she comes home from school at 200 later today. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's this one little thing. I. I can't stress enough to people that it is so much easier, and I want to ask you if you find this, to work in the the tighter parameters, right? Like it takes less effort and less of your focus and time and attention than it does to be all over the place. Do you find that? Yeah. um, I will tell you when I think you said you've probably been saying it on the podcast for a while, but when I first heard that, I was like... Absolutely not. I mean, that's so hard. I I was that doctor. You were like, Um, idiot, shut up. (laughs) I mean, I was like, I mean, sounds great, but I don't know how to do that. Um, But I am at that place now where it is. It's so much easier. I didn't think I could ever get to a spot. I I mean, nothing's easy, right? It's still work, but it is a lot easier to keep things in that tight control rather than always correcting high or low, you just, you're swinging around. I, for, for me, that makes me actually pretty exhausted. I feel bad when that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can feel better and make those subtle shifts. And it, it, 
it is easier. Yeah. I know it's hard. It's hard to imagine. It's hard that to swallow when someone place, says to you. But, yeah, yeah, right. Right. But it, it really is. Oh, I'm glad you found that. And how long did it take you to get from, hey, that guy on the podcast doesn't know what he's talking about to, wow, this is easier? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it took a while. So within the past year, I had A1Cs. I was pretty steady at like 7.5, 7.5, I think maybe two or three visits in a row. Over the summer, actually probably in August, got down to 6.5. Mm. I think I had... Um, I think I adjusted my limits probably last summer on my Dexcom um, and then was at 5.9 in January. So I'd say really within the past six months, I've probably been getting to that place. Was it being more aggressive with the insulin that was the last step? Uh, yeah. 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 Not being, you know, afraid. And, and the Dexcom kind of gets rid of that. Yeah. And also Um, I would say that making smaller adjustments, like a lot insulin mm -hmm. highs cause lows. And as much as you make these big boluses and then later the carbs in your body or whatever's affecting your blood sugar ends up gone, but the insulin stays behind and then you get low later. Mm -hmm. And if you're making smaller adjustments, then there's not as much insulin to cause those lows later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) My gosh, you are, you are, you are, you've really put my weekend on a good path. Like I know I was sad in the beginning, oh. but now I'm super happy. <laughs> Thank you. Um, did, is there anything about anything that we didn't cover or something? Um, Cause you seem like you thought about this before you came on, which I appreciate by the way. I did. I made notes. Um, <laughs> no, I think, uh, no, I think that it's just, you know, I hope that, um, I know there's a lot of parents who listen to your show. And so I hope that, they're not totally terrified um, by, you know, the experiences that I went through that I talked about today, Um, you know, because even if your child or even if you're listening to this and you have diabetes and you go through it, you, you can come out on the other side. It's a much better place to be. It's, it's hard to get there, but you can do it. If, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, You know, and I think that just because you have, a time in your life where diabetes seems impossible, it, um, you can come back from it. And especially with the right tools and support, just keep looking for what works for you. Um, cause it, it's a little bit different for everybody, but it, it can work. Yeah. I, I, I can't agree enough. I really can't. I can't tell you how happy I am for you or for your husband or for that little baby that you're making little Scott. <laughs> and, um, and, and, but just generally speaking, I, I, I'm just thrilled that you said that because it is really difficult to imagine when you're in a when you're not in this place that this place exists or that you have the the skills or the or the wherewithal to get to it. And I'm just because uh, you just said if it, if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm telling you, if I can do it, mm-hmm. anybody can do it. Because right. I was, I, I, I'll tell you a million times in the shower crying. I'm going to kill her. I'm not good at this. I'm mm-hmm. never going to figure this out. I mean, that was me. I was as bad at this as you could possibly imagine at one point. And mm-hmm. and now I I'll, I'll say it here because I think it I think it it bookends things nicely. 5.6 to 6.2, that's Arden's range for over 4 years now. Yeah. And that's it, incredible. It, not yeah. even hard to accomplish. And I'm telling you, last mm-hmm. night homemade chicken pot pie and then she ate it and goes 
I didn't love the crust and then went to the refrigerator <laughs> and got a piece of lasagna out that was left over from last night. I don't know how many carbs were in the pot pie. I don't know how many carbs were in the lasagna. Later in the evening around 10, yes, my 14-year-old is still up at 10 o'clock. You can judge me if you want. Um, she's like, I'm hungry. And then she had Apple Jacks. And uh, sure, none of this sounds healthy, but... <laughs> but yeah, but it, she's a teenager. Right, right. And, yeah. and her blood sugar was like 110 all night. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, like yeah, just that's it. And, and how did I bolus the Apple Jacks? I don't know. She was eating handfuls out of a box. And then at one point she's like, can I get a, a cup of milk and throw them in that? I'm like, yeah, sure. And like, you know, and, and I had her blood sugar drifting down from the lasagna and I knew she was going to need some sort of a snack at the end of the night. So she's eating yeah. it and eating it. And like, she's down mm-hmm. at like 76 and a little diagonal down and she's eating the cereal. And I'm like, God, and where everybody else might be like, I don't know what to do. I was like, this is perfect. And, you know, like, and so I saw the end of the lasagna bolus as the pre bolus for the nighttime snack. And, um, and then when it was over, I'm like, all right, let me wait. And, you know, you might say, well, she had, it's ridiculous. I don't even know. Uh, it, seven of her handfuls of Apple Jacks, one of my handfuls, and in, an amount of milk that I can't possibly tell you. And then I looked at the Dexcom, I watched what it did, and I said to myself, okay, I'm going to put in, a, and it was a tiny bit of insulin. It wasn't nowhere, it wasn't anywhere near the amount you would need if you would have taken those Apple Jacks, weighed them out, and counted the carbs with them. And I'm like, I'm just going to put in like three quarters of a unit right here. And I, mm-hmm. and I just kind of manipulated the arrow around. And when it leveled out, I was like, okay. Then it tried to drift a little bit. So I bumped it back. And then I went to bed. And that was it. Yeah. I mean, it, it just does become a little bit intuitive after, you know, after you do it for a while, it, it does start to get a little bit easier. And you just have to, you have to work a little bit less hard. You still have to work, but it, it's not, it's not quite the uphill battle anymore. Um, and I think that's certainly, you know, being able to look at the Dexcom, I still have issues when, um, like being, just being at work where I can't totally focus on my diabetes, uh, you know, a hundred percent every minute. Um, but it's just easier. Now I'm able to catch things and it is intuitive now. I, I kind of feel things or I know like this food, yeah, it's probably this many carbs, but I know I'm going to have trouble later if I don't split this dose or extend it or whatever. Yeah. Um, oh, so I, that it becomes easier. And I don't want to say that I get it right every time. I certainly don't. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, yeah. I, I, Arden, Arden's blood sugar jumps a couple times a day, honestly. Mm-hmm. 150, 180, 200, but we get it right back again. And it's not yeah. like a, I don't see it going up and go, oh, I wonder how this is going to end. I see, I see it going up and I'm like, ooh, you know, we missed on a bolus, hit it, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I know that some people hear an A1C of five nine six two and they think that they imagine a like a CGM line in their head that's 85 straight across for forever and ever. It's, it's not like that. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's not going to happen. That's what, you know, yeah. you get that when you don't have diabetes. Right. <laughs> so. um, and I think that you, you know, you do, it gets to be, um, you, you know, those highs and the lows are going to happen. They're, they're going to happen. And I mean you're expected to keep during pregnancy or A1C, you know, in very tight control, but you can't beat yourself up and go off course if you do get that high, because I, I know it's going to be there. You yeah. just have to fix it and, um, you know, and move on with your life. So it's- does that mantra 
when something goes not the way you wanted, don't think of it as a mistake, but a learning experience. Did that actually help you? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's kind of like you can be upset about the thing that's happening, but then you're also giving yourself another problem mm-hmm. in addition to your existing problem. Yeah. So you might as well just, you know, try to fix it and move on. Drama is definitely your enemy, even if it's just personal right. drama <laughs> in your own head. It, it's not a, it's not helpful. What well, is really great to hear um, that anything that I made up in my silly head and said on this podcast helped you. So I, I really appreciate knowing that because in the end, all I'm doing is I'm having experiences over and over again. I'm thinking them through. I'm coming up with an answer. I then try the answer a bunch of times. It actually works. And then I go, okay, this is valuable to share. And that's pretty much the process. So it's really cool to hear the end of it, which is you heard it and it did something. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does. It helps. Um, you know, you don't get, I think a podcast is unique because you get to really kind of dive down into what was, what was the context of the situation? What were you thinking about? What were you anticipating and what happened? Um, it's different than sort of a message board where it's just a thought here, a thought there. You really get, it's like sitting with someone else who has diabetes and kind of doing shadowing them. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, that's really cool. Which is helpful. Because yeah. even blogging about it, it's not as, va- it's, it's valuable, yeah. but it's not as, it, it doesn't accomplish what you just said. You can't, right. you can't really break it apart, deep dive, give examples, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm just, I'm so thrilled. I really am. A huge thanks to Maria for coming on the show and sharing her experiences with burnout. And hold on one second, I'm going to tell you about the baby. But first, thank you Dexcom, thank you Omnipod, thank you Dancing for Diabetes. Please go to the links in your show notes at juiceboxpodcast.com or if you have to type it into browser yourself, do it. But just remember, I'd love it if you clicked on the links. It's myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, and dancing the number four diabetes.com. Okay, let me find my my note from Maria. Hold on a second. Tell you about the baby. A lot of babies born for people who've been on this podcast, have you noticed? All right, here it is, Maria. I said to Maria, hey, Maria, I'm getting ready to post your episode. Do you have any updates that you can share? She said, hi, Scott, exciting to hear from you. I've got a pretty big update, actually. Our son, Wesley, was born two weeks ago tomorrow on 925. I had a very healthy pregnancy. My A1C was between 5.9 and 5.7 the entire time. He came a little bit early, but with no complications. Looks like Wesley weighed six pounds, 13 ounces, and was in the 50th percentile for growth during the entire pregnancy. Maria says they're at home now, doing well, and trying to figure out life with a newborn. But they're very much in love with the newest addition to their family. Guys, listen, this isn't an after-school special or anything, but I think I gotta come in here with the moral to the story. Maria experienced burnout a number of times throughout her life. And look where she is now. What does Maria's story teach us? Three simple words. Don't stop believing. And I'm not going to sing. Don't worry. I actually tried it a second ago. It went incredibly poorly and I deleted it. It was really kind of scary, actually. I was all falsetto and I'm not a good singer. It was really horrifying. I mean, I've left a lot of stuff in this podcast where I sounded stupid, but this, I was actually like, I'm taking that out. That is horrible. I, I should never do that. All right, Journey fans, see you next week.